Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. That's right, Kyle Brands Basement by way of Kyle Brands Hotel Room. This is where we are right now. I'm in my hotel in London, in England. Beautiful country, strange food. I can't get, I can't get to put a finger on the food. It's all so odd, and there's a lot of beans, and things are cold that we like hot, and hot that we like cold. It's a strange place. It's, the food here, unbelievably strange. Great theater, great culture, incredible rock music. I got into a debate about who has better pop music all time, Team USA or Team UK, it's a fascinating debate. In my opinion, UK gets off to a massive lead, like a 28 to three lead back in like the 50s and 60s and 70s, but the US has come storming back. It is a great debate. Maybe we'll have it later this week on Conference Basement. In the meantime, so much today. I, I mentioned I'm here in the United Kingdom. Um, we have to talk about a lot of stuff. Fallout from the uh, Bills and the Dolphins game. Mark Sanchez and Dan Orlovsky liberated or not? Are you are you in on that? I have some thoughts about Orlovsky getting supposedly liberated and all kinds of other things to talk about. The AFC West. What the hell, guys? This is supposed to be the greatest conference division ever. Supposed to, AFC West was supposed to just rule the world. Four playoff teams. Y'all suck. Now the Chiefs don't, but they lost too. Again, so much to talk about. I'm wired. Uh, I'm sleep deprived. Who knows what could come out of my mouth today? Thank you for joining me in the basement via the hotel room. You know how we start the show on Mondays. You know what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. We even brought our animations with us across the pond. Go ahead. All right, I love what's doing in the AFC East. I love the emotion and the passion coming out of both Miami and Buffalo. That was one hell of a game. Strange game, controversial game, but the ending was electric. Unless you're a Buffalo Bills fan, maybe even if you are, you can appreciate how tense that was. That was a sweaty palm special at the end of the game. But there's so much fallout. There really is. There's a million ways to go with it. I'll go the personal way. People are pissed at me. I'll just personalize this. Pissed at me for things that I've said or my takes. Let's just start. Dolphins fans, first of all, taking their middle finger victory lap because I said last week I think the Bills are going to crush the Dolphins and it's going to be a nice little Dolphins run that they had first couple weeks, but then they lost to Buffalo and that's it. I was wrong. Miami won. Hand up. You're much better than I thought. But you know what? Like You guys didn't think you were going to be 3-0. and Stop it. No, you didn't. You guys didn't think you are going to be the biggest story in the NFL. You are. And we could get into that actual team that was out there for Buffalo and how they're really limited. I'll get into that in a second. But in the meantime, Miami, you guys won the game. All kinds of conversation pieces, not asterisks, but conversation pieces about how and why. But Miami, certainly you didn't get crushed. Even if you had lost with the last second field goal by Tyler Bass that he never got to attempt, you were still in the game. The defense still was really passionate. And um, Miami, do credit. I'll say it again. I don't think you're the best team in the NFL, but I do think you beat the best team in the NFL. And that means you are the biggest story, I think, for the first time in my adult life, or maybe entire life, that the Miami Dolphins, for football reasons, have been the biggest story. 3-0 and is 3-0, and new head coach, new everything. It's a big deal. So um, then there's Bills fans, which uh, are pissed off that I'm giving the Dolphins too much credit. No, I'm not. Again, I don't think they're the best team. I think they won the game. I think they beat the best team. I do. And here's the deal. You take a loss like that, it's really frustrating because there were plays to be made and... 
you've slapped the Dolphins around for a long time. You just own them, especially by 30 plus points a few times. And the Bills, you know, you've had this great run for the first few weeks. You're the best team. You're number one in the power rankings. You're the Vegas favorites for Super Bowl. Everybody is picking you get to the Super to the Super Bowl. It's, it's intoxicating. And you've waited your entire life for this. You lose in a really frustrating way early. You didn't think you were going to be 2-1. and one. You knew you'd lose at some point this season, but maybe weeks down the road. And so you two, there's a couple ways you could play it. You could say, no, 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 no. We didn't have all our good players. We were missing both our safeties. This guy was out. This guy was out. And I know the lists are out there of the players who the Bills were missing. And it's obviously huge. And it's really valid and it's compelling and everything. And I get it. And there was a different Bills team. And I've seen all the takes. The Dolphins beat the Bills backups. The Dolphins beat the Bills practice squad. Understood. You could play it that way. And you could say that. Or you could just say, we're going to tuck that one away. All right, we're going to play the Dolphins much later in the season under much different conditions, hopefully with uh, much different personnel out there. We lost. I saw at the end of the game that they had more points than we did. There's a lot of reasons I'm pissed off that I lost, but we are now the standard. We are not the little brother that gets pushed around that whines about officiating or injuries. We're the gold standard, not only in this division, not only in this conference, but in the NFL, we believe. And we're just going to shut up. We're going to be mad. and We're going to just tuck that away. And then we're going to unleash hell on the Dolphins the next time we play them under much different conditions. You can play it that way. That's the way I would play it. I don't know. I've just seen so many fan bases. I go back a long way in sports radio. and I mean, I used to screen calls and take emails from fan bases. And there's two kinds of fan bases. They're the ones that shut up and move on. And there's the ones that flood the radio calls the next day with, we got screwed by the officials and we this injury luck and injury luck. I just wouldn't be that. I think the cool, quiet, confident fan base that knows like, we know exactly what time it is. We know that if we had our guys out there, which we will next time, we would have dominated that team. It was a weird day. It was a hot day. We were injury bitten, and there were some strange strange backs and forths in the second half. Next time we'll have them. That's the way I would go. If you want to be pissed at me about that, fine. I, I don't care. I'm just addressing it because I respect you. And then there's the Ken Dorsey thing. Talked a lot about Ken Dorsey yesterday. The number one image probably from the entire week in the NFL was Ken Dorsey absolutely losing his bleep in the booth after they couldn't get the playoff and slamming his headphones and slamming his Microsoft Surface and covering up the camera. And it's become this thing about, well, do you think that was a bad look or do you think that was passion? Of course it was passion. Listen, if anybody understands passion in my circle, it's me. That's what most of my career is based on, it's passion and screaming and hating and loving and everything. My take that I had yesterday was that's going to follow him around. That is the most gifable thing I've ever seen. That's the way the media works now. Whatever little emotion you can put into a, an animation that someone can share on social media will follow you around. I called it a tattoo. It is a tattoo. It doesn't mean it's going to be an albatross. It doesn't mean it's a curse. It doesn't mean it's not going to be hireable or it's even a negative thing. It might play out as a really positive thing. It's just permanent. That's the way the media works. When and if Ken Dorsey gets a head coaching job, let's say, oh, I don't know, it's for the Dallas Cowboys. The second he is hired, every Eagles, Commanders, and Giants fan will tweet and share that gif of him throwing the computer. And I think that's interesting. I think it's permanent. I think it's history. I don't think it is a detraction from him, and I think it actually works out to be a positive. But make I don't make up the rules. That is the way the media works now, especially on social media. That's that. It was We were seeing that unfold. To see the end of that game, as frustrating as it was for a Bills fan, and to see Dorsey get that mad and that angry, and I understand the angle that that's how competitive he is, to watch that and be like, that is going to be part of this guy's media personality, media profile for the rest of his life. I think that's compelling. And I think, it'll. I th again, I think it could be a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying that was history for him. 
And can you imagine how frustrating it would be? I can. He's screaming, he's screaming, and they had the play. They get the ball to McKenzie. Just get down. Bass is going to make a field goal. We're going to gut out this win with all these injuries and all this heat. And he didn't get it. I wonder if they'll be that camera ever in there again. I'm not even talking for the Bills. I'm talking about for all the teams. Because after that, I'm not bringing that camera in here. I'm covering it up. I'm putting a piece of gum on the thing. So a lot of emotions. You know what? I like it because I was born and raised in Chicago. And I've said this before many times that people still call Packers Bears a rivalry. It's not a rivalry. It's just a tradition. They play twice a year. There's two ass whoopings. That's the way it is. Bill's Dolphins has not been a rivalry for a long time. They destroy them. It's good for the league and it's good for the division that actually Miami actually won a game. If you want to hang 12 different asterisks on it, that's fine. I don't do that. And we'll see what happens the next time. But I don't like when these so-called rivalries, same thing, Michigan, Ohio State, you name them, have years and years and years of dominance. I love the Buffalo Bills. I love Josh Allen. He'll be coming on the show this week and we'll ask him all about it. But I, I, I like a lot of other teams too. And I think it's interesting and more dynamic when it comes in and there's a little bit of variety and there's a little bit of parody. And I thought the Dolphins players played their ass off. A lot of controversy there. A lot of controversy. Still not convinced about the Tua coming back into the game thing. I heard it was a back injury. I don't know. They say what they say. But I love that we're talking about Bill's Dolphins. We haven't talked about it for years. And believe me, the next time Buffalo plays Miami, they'll be out for blood. And I can't wait. But in the meantime, let's talk about what I hate. I hate the AFC West. Screw them. I'm over it. I'm so pissed off about this. I have to talk about football in the offseason. I get to talk about football in the offseason, but it can become a burden when you're in May and you've done your 27th segment about what team will make the jump, what team will be which character on Game of Thrones, and especially when you get to the point where the AFC West, we're all just supposed to just bow down and kiss their butts about how good they're going to be, and will it be two playoff teams or three, and then you point out, actually, it could be four playoff teams. Could it be one playoff team? I know it has to be one. But this is one of the most hyped things we have had for a long time. It's almost, you know, we've had the super team that always comes up and people get their panties up in a knot because someone's called a super team. That old Vince Young quote about the Eagles that gets over-exaggerated or even the Rams last year who actually ended up being a super team. This was the super division, the rare super division. This has just been awful. And where do you even start? So let's start with the with the with the Golden Boys, which is the Chiefs, who just lost to the Colts, who got shut out last week by the Jaguars. And there's an argument on the sideline. It's just like it was a weird, bad Chiefs day in which they were not on the same page. They scored three points in the second half. And believe me, the Chiefs takes about Tyreek and missing them and how dynamic they are are coming. They're not coming. They're here. They scored three points in the second half. They lost by three points. So the Matt Ryan Colts team was just going nowhere. That's that's the best in this division. Um, the Denver Broncos are two and one. I, I, I can't think of a worse two and one team. Here's how this is so bad. They won a game 11 to 10. Did you sit through that game last night? So did, so did the Broncos offense. So did the Niners offense. Here's how, you know, it was bad because there's a social media artist who works for the Denver Broncos. Who's like, Hmm, we just won. We looked really bad, and Russell Wilson didn't do really anything short of maybe one drive, and Melvin Gordon got a touchdown. What should we tweet to our followers? Look at that. This defense is on another level. Then they had another one where it says, retweet if you love this defense. Yeah, it's fine. What about this team? What about this quarterback? 
We were promised this was going to be our best quarterback since Peyton first came over. And oh my God, retweet if you love the defense. I guess. What about the team? What about the offense? Again, it's a two and one team. That I, I I don't know if there's ever been an offense that's looked worse than on a two win team. Stack wins, absolutely. But understand, this was supposed to be part of this division that was going to change the world, and it was going to be all just shooting matches every single week. And then there's the Chargers. The Chargers just kind of make me sad. This sucks for them. <laughs> they they just got absolutely torched and. Everybody's hurt already. It's week three. They're all pro left tackle is out. Joey Bosa is out. Justin Herbert is limited. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. And they just got destroyed. Destroyed by the Jags. There's two really dangerous things to say every August in, in this world. One, I don't believe in the Patriots. Two, I do believe in the Chargers. I said the second one. I thought that, I thought they were going to win that division. Maybe they still will. But my point is... Everybody deals with injuries. This was supposed to be the next great thing. This was this was all these things that has received so much hype. The iPhone, LeBron, Chinese democracy. We go on and on and on. It's just and then I mean the Raiders. At 0-3 Raiders, Josh McDaniels is having a, a closed door meeting with the owner after going 0-3. They spent about a quarter billion dollars on new players. This sucks. And you know what the worst part is? The Raiders, I'm not while they're down any more than I already. Do you know the Broncos are like continuing to be in prime time coming up here? Like over the next few weeks, we get them a couple times. Like it's it's prime time Broncos nonstop, and we just went big on this Russell Wilson thing, and it's been kind of hilarious to watch the Nathaniel Hackett experience the first couple weeks. But now, like I, I need to see some other teams. There's some really really good teams out there, and so the AFC West that we just went so big on it, it's it, it's almost feeling like a little cryptoy. Like get in on it. I'm telling you, it's going to change the world. It's going to blow everybody's minds. And Matt Damon's in the commercials just telling us fortune favors the bold. I, I, I don't know. Is that true? They look really bad. Um, I'm so frustrated with the AFC West. I cannot tell you how many conversations and TV segments I had to do about the AFC West from April, May, June, July. I'm not doing them now because they're not good and we're going to get a lot more of it. So let's just hope this Russell Wilson thing turns around and he starts letting it up again because damn, right now after three weeks, where would you rank Russell Wilson, quarterback one through thirty-two? Not, I mean, he's he's not the top ten. He's not the top fifty. I mean, is he twenty-two? He's twenty-three. Is he better? It, it, would you rather have Lawrence right now, Trevor Lawrence, than, than Russell Wilson? Yeah, it's nuts. And he'll turn it around, I think. But we're going to get in so much of him. Just get ready. The Russell Wilson thing and let's ride and all that. And let Russ cook and everybody making all their jokes and tweets and memes. They're not going away. There's some great teams in the league right now. We're going to watch the Broncos over and over. We decided that in the offseason. That'll be fun. Will it be hilarious? No, but I have something that is. Let's get to what's hilarious here from London. The football gods have a sixth sense of humor, and I actually do find it funny. I'm here in London, and it's the home of British humor and Monty Python and all this acerbic wit that they have here. And the football guys are the funniest because after years and years and years of of punchlines and self-deprecation sometimes, on the, they decided on the same day that two of the, I think the most infamous plays of the last quarter century would be allegedly vindicated or their sentence would be over or they'd be paroled. Mark Sanchez ran his face directly into his own offensive lineman's butt. Dan Orlovsky did about a 40-yard dash completely out of bounds against Minnesota. They've heard about it. You've read about it. We've all joked about it. 
for years. And on the same day, it decide it's decided that guys, you've done enough. It's like when Red and Shawshank just finally says, like, go ahead, Sonny, fill out your form. I don't really give a damn. Then he's paroled. Here's the thing. Um, Orlovsky gets the Jimmy Garoppolo standing out of bounds. I have no idea what Garoppolo was doing. I mean, the whole idea of Garoppolo is that he's the veteran. Like, he's the guy who could – Trey Lance is the crazy young talent when he was healthy, but Garoppolo, we got to keep it straight. So, meanwhile, Orlovsky immediately tweets, I've never been happier, and then freedom, like kind of a William Wallace. My take on that. Is, is he free from it? For example, let's say a year from now or a week from now or even 10 years from now, someone runs out of the back of the end zone. Are you saying, hey, Garoppolo? Or are you saying Orlovsky? I think I think you're saying Orlovsky. I love Dan. He's a great guy. I've worked with him before. I love what he's doing with his career. He's very smart, very friendly, everything you like. But, like, I don't know if there's freedom. If you want freedom from it, like, I just don't think that that is now pulling a Garoppolo. I still think it is Orlovsky. No one remembers the second man to walk on the moon. No one remembers the second man to break the four-minute mile. It's you, Dan. And in a way, that's good. There'll become a time when after your great media career for 50 years, you'll be sitting at a table signing pictures of you running back at the end zone. And I'll be there signing like Days of Our Lives pictures. I love it. But I don't think you're free. I don't think you want to be free. All right. And then Sanchez... Butt fumble guy. We saw what happened with the butt punt. And then he also tweets about Thomas Morstead, the Dolphins punter. And he's like, see, Sanchez, I think, is a little more honest. Stay out of my lane. I actually think that is honest. Like, that, he wants to be signing those pictures someday, too. He'll sign his USC picks. He'll sign his butt fumble picks. That's kind of his brand, and he created it. All things football and butt. That is his deal. So he's kind of like, get off my corner, Thomas Morstead. But as long as we're trying to do these things where people are getting allegedly freed or set free or paroled, what if it just keeps going? What if it keeps happening? For example, some that really need to be set free. Um, notable gaffes. Leon Lett picks up, scoop and score on the fumble against the Buffalo Bills, runs in, and inexplicably the last two yards decides to hold the ball down like kind of by his waist, which isn't cool or fun or anything. He just did it. We know Don Beebe, who ran about a 3-4 in the 40-yard dash, caught him from behind. Now, we've had people drop the ball at the goal line before, strip like that. But what if it is a big old defensive lineman who decides to run 80 yards with the ball and then, like, a speedy white wide receiver runs up and catches up with them? That would be, I think, um, vindicating for Leon Lett. Other ones. How about our guy Jim Marshall, legendary Minnesota Viking you, you go. If anybody ever runs the wrong way with with the ball, even for one yard, it's a it's a Jim Marshall. Jim Marshall, if you don't know, is the guy back in way back in the day, ran all the way the wrong way on the field, and God knows what was going through his head at the time, and thought he scored a touchdown for the Vikings. In fact, he went the wrong way. Jim Marshall, by the way, still with us, eighty four years old. So impressed by that. What if uh, coming up, let's just say a random defensive lineman or defensive player intercepts a ball or scoops and scores a fumble and decides to actually run the opposite way. I don't know if it's possible in this day and age. Would that ever happen? I mean, there's so much signage and there's so many colors. The fields that Marshall were running on, I don't think were as descript. So if you were turned around in the middle of a play and you just thought, oh, this was forward, you're gone. Plus now, like, someone would run him down and turn him around. But if they did it, Jim Marshall, big time. Be picked up big time. There's another one. Um, we could get into the Joe Passar chicks and all that. Uh, but you know the one I really feel the way? Um, 
My New York Knicks friendly staff wants Charles Smith to be liberated. Charles Smith, as I've said before, the New York Knicks forward during the Ewing era who lost to the Bulls and is still, still in Madison Garden at night when everybody goes home underneath the basket trying to put the ball up over and over. He put up 26 shot attempts in three seconds and they were all blocked and or swatted by various Bulls, including Jordan. He's still at the Garden trying to put it up. The janitors, I saw, that's just Charles. He's still trying after all these years. Someone maybe could be vindicated if they also had 26 shot attempts in three seconds in a playoff game that would have won the game for their team and get blocked every single time. Charles Smith. And my favorite, in, in, in wake of Dan Orlovsky and Mark Sanchez having sort of maybe a closure of sorts, at least in their minds, who remembers, raise your hand if you remember Olympic snowboarder Lindsey Jacob Bellis. Do you remember when are the Olympics coming up, Winter Olympics? I lose track or the X Games or whatever. Lindsay Jacob Bellis was an American snowboarder who was doing her event and she was in the clear and she was in the home stretch and she was going to win the gold medal. And on her last little jump or trick or whatever she did, I'm sorry, I don't know a lot of the snowboarding vernacular. She, she, she attempted like a stunt or a trick, you know, like she, she showed off for the crowd, like a little celebration. And in doing so, completely ate bleep and fell and wrecked and had to get back up and was passed and did not win the gold medal. It's one of the all-timers. I remember watching it live. And it was at a time when snowboarding was really blowing up and I was intrigued like everybody else was, but it was an all-timer. And she's like, yeah, gold medal. I got this. Let me grab my whatever it's called. I don't know the terms, but I know what it looks like when someone falls in snowboarding because I would do it a hundred times if I tried. She got, we need someone else in, in snowboarding to do that. I don't wish it on anybody. I wish it for Lindsay Jacob Bellis, wherever she may be today. Probably I'll get a note in a few minutes from one of my producers about, you know, actually, I looked up her Wikipedia. Yeah, she started a, a, a jewelry company, and she is also a, a, an attorney, whatever it may be. We're good on weird facts about athletes like that. Until then, snowboarder, if you're feeling like taking one for the team, help out Lindsay Jacob Bellis. There's a spirit right now of people having closure on their notable sports gaffes. If anybody in the Orlando Magic next season wants to miss some terrible free throws like Nick Anderson, that would help too. Uh, but until then, that's what's hilarious. Now we got to get sometimes sometimes hilarious, but often um, hot and a little intimidating. It's a segment that we call Takes on Takes. Lions, Tigers, and Tailgates. Oh, my. College football season is always the greatest time of the year. You put on a jersey, get your face painted, break out the foam finger, but it's all about the food. And nothing gets you more fired up for game day than Eckrich Smoked Sausage. They're naturally hardwood smoked and have the perfect blend of spices. From buffalo sausage dip to sausage chili mac and cheese, Eckrich Smoked Sausage is a quick way to bring flavor to all your tailgate meals. Visit Eckrich.com for easy, one-of-a-kind sausage recipes. Eckrich, you do you. All right, let's get him in. Week three in the shadow for the NFL. All kinds of thoughts, opinions, just bouncing around the media. And this is where I give my thoughts, my takes on the takes. Here's the deal. Uh, since I don't have my usual numbers that I hold up NBA slang dunk contest style, I have a little notepad that I leave in the hotel room for you. And this pen that I will steal as a free sous And um, I will judge them zero through 10 based on delivery, creativity, and a little bit of heat. Those are the three categories. 
the two gladiators entering the arena today whose takes I will have takes on. First up, Ryan Clark, a regular here in the segment on ESPN's Get Up, uh, talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Let's see what Ryan has. Go ahead. It's two things right now. If you're talking about this team, you're talking about the best football team in the NFC. Mm. And if you are having any early MVP conversations that do not include mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, you're actually not having the correct MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. That's real. That's how yep. well this team is playing. That's how well this quarterback is playing. We talked all offseason, what will new additions at the wide receiver positions mean for certain teams? It's been huge for the Philadelphia Eagles, not only because of what A.J. Brown can do and who he is, but what it allows Devontae Smith to do as the number two receiver on this team, on a team team that can run the football against anybody in the entire league. When you watch the Philadelphia Eagles play from top to bottom, they have everything they need to compete for a championship as long as this is who Jalen Hurts really is. Okay. Um, let me give that a four. Can you see it there? It's not that it doesn't mean that it's bad. It was a nice reasoned, impassioned, well-spoken take. I just it just it just didn't blow me away, and it doesn't need to. You don't do a solid television segment. You don't need to. Maybe sometimes you don't even want to. Um, he did. He, I think he rounded the edges a little bit by saying, "If you're not having a conversation about Jalen Hurts being the MVP, you're not really having it." Which is kind of a cool line, but also in it, I need to I need to hear definitively: Is he your MVP? Uh, side note, the, the media has become so obsessed with debating the MVP. It's the first quarter of the first game, and the MVP takes are already out. For a regular season award that goes to a guy who never wins the Super Bowl, I, it's just strange to me how much we obsess about the horse race of the MVP. So maybe that weighs down. I, I don't really love MVP talks to begin with. Like, there's so many more interesting things going on right now in who's going to win the game this today or who's going to win the game next week rather than who's going to win a trophy at NFL honors in five months. It's just, it doesn't do it for me. So Ryan Clark rock solid as always impassioned love the, the split collar looks really good as well, but only a four, which means um, the, the lane is wide open for this gentleman to drive down and dunk and just win this thing. All he needs is a five, a colleague of mine with the NFL media group, who also goes over to ESPN's first takes. This is a uh, first take. This is NFL Hall of Famer, former Miami Hurricane, Dallas Cowboy, and the star of the Longest Yard, the Adam Sandler version. Michael Irvin on ESPN's first take. Trying to put, this is what it says right here. It says, trying to put some respect on Tua's name. Go ahead, Playmaker. I get an NFL packet, right? Gives me all the stuff, gives me all the numbers. I look at this stuff sometimes, and I'm like, is this true? I didn't know that Tua was 9-1 and one in his last 10 starts. It's in that packet. I was like, this is insane. This is incredible because we don't see Tua <laughs> as this kind of quarterback. We're still questioning Tua if Tua is a franchise quarterback. This is why you are having issues with it. Last week, we started with that same question. Do you believe in Tua? You said no then. The man just beat the best team in the AFC and the best team in the NFL, and you're still saying no now. What must this man do, Dan, to get get him across the water? All right, that's good. A lot to like there. Uh, First and foremost, I love the little nugget that Irv gives (laughs) that he's looking at the network research packet. The way it works, if you do a job like that or like mine, you get so many emails of support. And here's 
oh my God, here's the analytics numbers and here's the fantasy numbers and here's the next gen numbers. It's just a lot of information. And sometimes you look at them, sometimes you don't. I love that Irv is opening a research packet on Tua and looking at the nuggets that an overnight researcher, who's their job to research them, probably worked their butt off on. And little did they know, Michael Irvin be on first take talking about them. That's kind of a deep media dive, but I love that he did it. It cracks me up. You figure Michael Irvin just shows up and shoots from the hip and he doesn't need research. Like, no, he does the research. He goes to the nuggets. Uh, I always like a healthy amount of arm gesticulating. That always helps me. I like that Michael Irvin didn't go too much with the volume here. I mean, it was certainly audible, but he, like myself, sometimes gets a little out of control with the volume. He stayed in his, he stayed composed, animated, but not deafening. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think this is a, this. I think this is an easy victory. I, the only thing I don't like about it, he only said Tua. I would have liked to hear Irv say Tua's last name. Sometimes he has his own ways to pronounce things and his own ways to address guys. He has a little bit of a Charles Barkley thing for him going for him where he's just, he's so fun to watch and he's so talented, but like sometimes everyone has a weakness. I have many. I would have liked to hear Irv say Tonga Vailoa, I, I, but we didn't get it, but we still got a victory. Michael Irvin has 10 and nine type power. This was a simple, a simple six. He posed some good questions about what does Tua have to do. He kept the volume right where it should be. He used the research notes. He had Orlovsky's attention. Stephen A., I think, was looking at his own research notes, but that's fine. Uh, Michael Irvin gets the victory over Ryan Clark. Six to four. We now go to a man who has a victory over everyone in any producer sense or any awareness sense. His name is Sam Pepper, real name, and he has a segment that we call Brant Awareness. Please roll it. There he is across the pond. Uh, Sam, greetings from London in the United Kingdom. How are things back? Uh, good old Uncle Sam. Uh, everything's good back here, Kyle. We miss you, though. We really miss you back here. I miss you, too. I miss the basement. I miss the dartboard. I miss the basketball hoop. Um, I actually don't miss the basketball hoop because I'm a terrible, terrible free throw shooter, but I miss you keeping me aware of things. What would you like to keep me aware of today, Sam? What's up? All right. First up, a team that uh, you know is a regular in London, the Jaguars. They beat the Chargers yesterday, and it was one for yep. record books. With his second win as Jacksonville head coach, Doug Peterson tied Urban Meyer for fifth all-time in franchise history in the win category. To be fair, Peterson also tied Mike Malarkey and Mel Tucker. But Kyle, what was your reaction to hearing that? Let me make sure I have my facts straight. Fifth all-time, he, um, he has coached Doug Peterson. He has coached three games for the Jags. He hasn't even won them all. <laughs> he lost one of them. He's only all right. There it is. So Daryl Bevel down there at one and three. Mel Tucker, Mike Malarkey. Malarkey at two and fourteen is rough. Urban Meyer two and eleven. Doug Peterson two and one. And look at you know what's crazy is that he's right behind Gus Bradley, who did win fourteen games as a Jags head coach. However, there comes the rub. Fourteen and forty eight was his rec was his overall record. Fourteen and forty eight. Doug Marone twenty three and forty three. Jack Del Rio, who won a playoff game against the Steelers, 68 and 71. And then you got the GOAT, Tom Coughlin, two time Super Bowl winner with the Giants, but 68 game winner with the Jaguars. Um, this is funny to me. Anything that laughs and mocks uh, Urban Meyer, even a year later, for the job that he did, and I'll say it again based on watching the Jaguars now and based on them getting the number one pick last year, again, is Urban, Wire, is Urban Meyer, I want to say his name nice and clear. 
is Urban Meyer the worst NFL coach ever? Has there ever been a singular worse year? We have had some debacles, guys. Some absolute debacles. I'm kind of loath to mention their names, but some one and dones. Jim Tom Sula was a head coach of the San Francisco 49ers for one year. Um, a lot of them. There's some good, good, good football men. Certainly the Lions went 0-16. Um, Marty Morningwig, also with the Lions, decided to kick off in overtime. Like, there's all kinds of things that are infamous. Good guys, good football men. I don't think Urban Meyer is either. And yet he's still, I think he's, the, the fact that, what if the Jaguars win the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> what if they win the, let's just more modestly, what if they win like 10 games? They go 10 and 7. And it's like, wow, wow. What could literally any other NFL human have accomplished with them last year? What if they came flying out of the gates and Trevor Lawrence was like the offensive rookie of the year? What if he really is that good? He looks awesome right now. And like against the Chargers, and we're seeing it. It's just like, what a wasted year for Urban Meyer, who just is the arrogant, smuggest person in the entire NFL world. And by the way, just keep hiring him back into media. He's such a likable guy who's, by the way, boring on the air. And yet just, he just walks away from any job where he's kicking kickers and, you know, playing tiddlywinks with people in bars and he still gets the job. I just it, it's the worst. I absolutely hate it. But I love what the Jaguars are doing. I, I hope that they win the Super Bowl. What the hell? Why not? Just if only to reflect on Urban Meyer. It's a great call. And I love that Doug Peterson has already caught him, Sam. Already it's happened. And with the win next week, he'll pass him in only four games coach. That's the way it should be. And, and speaking of the Super Bowl chances, I, I'd like to get your thoughts on what are the chances yep. that eventually Doug Peterson has a statue outside the Jaguars stadium like he does in Philadelphia. That's a fascinating question, because if he were to ever obviously win a Super Bowl, whether it be this year or 10 years from now, I think you have to give him one. Remember, they've accomplished so little. They just now got their first Hall of Famer ever. And it's Tony Baselli. And let's just say his induction was polarizing at best. And you don't need to hear from me because I respect Baselli, but there's some other people, Deion Sanders, who are like, we're like, eh, really? So they finally have a Hall of Famer. Um, they have a couple notable playoff wins. Yeah, obviously, we remember them like just shocking Denver back in the day with Brunel. And then the one I mentioned where David Garrard beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's such a great question, Sam. Is, is anybody have two statues for like two different organizations? We know like... Michael Jordan has a statue. Uh, Nick Saban has a statue. I think Tim Tebow has a statue in Florida. And Urban Meyer tried to get him on the Jaguars. That was another great idea of his. But if Doug Peterson were to win a Super Bowl, yes, of course. I, he gets a statue in Jacksonville, which means you would have an AFC statue and an NFC statue. And he's still a young man. That is an awesome idea. We need to continue to talk about that. Is there anyone who has two statues? And there's a lot of people who have like, multiple championships and they could go in on the hall of fame with different teams as their bust, you know, but two statues is prolific. That's, that's does, a great uh, question. And the answer is an emphatic. Yes. Statues? He will get one. Who does Shaq have two Shaq? statues. I know, I know he has a statue with the Lakers. I don't know if he has one with the magic. My guess is no. Well, he didn't seal the deal. So I would probably yeah. say no. Um, he has one outside staples, whatever the hell they call it now, but that's a good guess. I don't think Shaq has an Orlando Magic. He was also on the Celtics and the Suns and the Cavs. And the Cavs I know he doesn't have yeah. one with them. <laughs> but um, anybody, tweet the show. Does anybody in sports have statues for two different franchises? Um, it's almost like like Dave Grohl like, is a Hall of Famer as a drummer in Nirvana and a, and a frontman for Foo Fighters. Like, he changed positions 
and changed teams. Like it's it's an insane thing that he did. Is there a sports equivalent? Imagine if the answer to that question was Doug Peterson. It's amazing. Well, Peterson and the Jags played the Eagles this week, so that should be interesting uh, for him. Um, yeah. Next up, Monday Night Football tonight. The 1-1 one one Cowboys against the 2-0 Giants for the whiteout at MetLife. The Manny Cast, of course, on ESPN2. Kyle, mm-hmm. what will you be looking for here? Well, the Manning Cast, obviously. Um... I'm looking at Peyton's body language, and I guess Eli's especially because it's the Giants. Just every single time Daniel Jones drops back to pass. Every single time. And Peyton does this thing where he gets the hands up there and he starts doing this. Or like the other time with Russ, he was just doing the timeout, timeout, timeout. And Eli is always just here, like kind of just watching and cringing. I don't know if the Daniel Jones experience is ready for the Micah Parsons experience. I really don't. It's like as if you prescribed a perfect enemy for everything that Daniel Jones does not do well, the the fumbling, the happy feet, the the nervous pocket presence, and you just have this absolute terror coming in wearing number eleven. If the Giants win this game and Daniel Jones survives and plays well, like then we have real Giants conversations of three and zero. And look, I know that it's not so much to me about Cooper Rush for Daniel Jones; it's about Micah Parsons. I'm looking forward to that matchup. It is so lopsided; like it's this guy who is comes to work in dockers and a backpack versus this guy who like honestly looks like Lawrence Taylor. And I, I fear for Daniel Jones tonight, but if he stands up and holds onto the ball, then we can have a real giants conversation. But in the meantime, I'm just watching Peyton and Eli just tense up the whole time because of their empathy for what he's going through. You hear me? I do. I do. And speaking of uh, Lawrence Taylor, he's actually going to be in the crowd tonight because really? he wants to see, yeah, he wants to see what Micah Parsons really has. So Micah Parsons is going to be fired up. I'm sure Giants fans are oh. like, what are, what, are you, what are you doing, LT? Like, what are you doing? Wow. Um, yep. at different guys. I remember among the many LT stories, and there are a lot of them, many of them not good, was during his heyday in the Giants, he would keep penicillin in the refrigerator to rid him of infections. And that's just something that I read. I believe it's true. But LT really was uh, a lot in, in the best and negative sense. But on the football field. Oh, my God. Uh, Maybe the best football player of all time, and he's going to be there. So, Parsons, I hope he has seven sacks. What else you got? All right, finally, the great Rihanna will headline the first-ever Apple Music Super Bowl halftime show. Jay-Z and Rock Nation serving as the strategic entertainment advisors for the performance. Kyle, are you fired up? All right, Sam, I'm going to go right back to you. What was the name of the performer that you mentioned and say it a little bit slowly if you don't mind um i said rihanna rihanna you said rihanna all right you will understand this story because as a sports producer and media you, you understand this so good morning football this morning we are having our pre-production meeting and we were going to have a segment in which we kind of helped sort of announce or talk about the super bowl halftime performer and our producer who is this guy who is very lovable is a philly dude but not terribly young or hip or, you know, if you can imagine a sports producer is neither of those things. Um, <laughs> he says, and we're on speakerphone because we're in London and he is in uh, Mount Laurel, New Jersey, the site of NFL Films. And he goes, uh, and then here, you know, in the 8D segment, we're going to talk about the the Super Bowl halftime is going to be Rihanna. And, uh, and we all just started laughing uproariously through the speakerphone in his face, like 10,000 miles away. Ha ha, you think it's Rihanna? You're old and not cool and not hip. It's Rihanna, dude. It's Rihanna. 
And so he's oh sorry, sorry, it's Rihanna. And so like you know we're like well who who who's playing the next year? Is it going to be Shakira? And we're just just destroying him as people often bust chops. So he thought he said Rihanna, Rihanna, Rihanna. Follow where this is going. So then during the show we get into this conversation during commercial breaks about hold on a second. There is a whole um, set of truthers and believers that it actually is Rihanna. Now you're saying as you're listening to this or watching this right now, no, it's not. It's Rihanna, idiot. I know it's Rihanna. And I say Rihanna. And you say Rihanna. You know who says Rihanna? (laughs) Rihanna. Just follow this. There is a video from about nine years ago where Rihanna is asked, how do you say your name? And she explains it and says, it's Rihanna. Now there is your smoking gun of Rihanna. It doesn't, it's not that simple though. I was ready to pledge myself to Rihanna. Then in the, uh, she does the song Lemonade. All right. In which she says, she drops her own name and says Rihanna. So now we have this annoying Tyrod Taylor situation. If you remember that, if you really follow the NFL circles about four years ago, Tyrod Taylor is like, oh, by the way, I know you've been talking about me for years. It's actually Tyrod Taylor. And we're like, well, which is it? And then he says, just call me whatever you want. Then there's another video, because I said in the Lemonade song, she says Rihanna. There's another video she did in 2019. We've been like spending time on this, where she says, hey, New York, it's Rihanna. So she's a flip-flopper. All I want to, I want to have an understanding between all of us, what to call her. And you're saying, it's going to be Rihanna. It's Rihanna. Understand, I've been saying Rihanna for years. I've heard the woman multiple times tell people that it's Rihanna. So we need to have a bottom line Kyle Brand's basement stat, position. We're going to be talking about this entertainer for years and years, but certainly in the football world, it's the Super Bowl halftime. So I want to pronounce it right. I don't... It's almost like she needs to set the record straight again. And I'll tell you, I'm going to draw a football comparison. And Sam, I'm going to come to you in a minute because I need you to weigh in on this. When Alvin, you know the guy they're running back for the Saints, Alvin, number 41, when he came into the league, he was the offensive rookie of the year, and he was a sensation. He was fun. He was cool. He was he was just amazing and dynamic. And there was still, there was a big Kamara, Kamara deal that goes on to this day. And I got to talk to him at NFL Honors. We had just received uh, Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I got to ask him, I said, listen, now that you're big time, can you please set the record straight? Is it Kamara or Kamara? And he said, he looked into the camera, he said, it's Kamara. It is Kamara. He said it. He has never been on camera saying it's Kamara. So he had to set the record straight. Now, this is not the same situation as Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens often gets called Terrell Owens, but he does not flip-flop like Rihanna Rihanna. He says, my name is Terrell. It's Terrell. Now, Terrell Davis comes in and says, no, 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 the name is pronounced Terrell. That's fine. Terrell Owens will never tell you, yeah, it's Terrell Owens. Uh Uh-uh. He has the take and he sticks to it. Rihanna Rihanna is a flopper. She does not, she she goes back and forth, can't decide, or maybe doesn't want to, or maybe is the worst of all the Tyrod Terrod Taylor camp, which is Call me whatever you want. Don't tell me that. Tell me what your name is. I respect you. I want to call you by your regular name. It's not a choice. I'm not Kyle or Calais. It, it does. It, it's Kyle. Do not. It's not Kyle. So, I had. I need an understanding on this because hopefully I've opened your eyes to this. I'm becoming a truther myself that it's actually Rihanna because I have heard her. And you could go into YouTube right now and say 
Rihanna on how to pronounce her name. And you will find the clip and it's clear as day, Rihanna. I go now to the master linguist who has the easiest name to pronounce in maybe in the history of mankind, Sam Pepper. What should we do as a show, nay, as a species about this halftime entertainer and how to pronounce her name? Well, once um, uh, my 10th grade music teacher called me Sam, Sam Pepper. Um, but that being said, that she did. Uh, that being said, that being said, um, I think we got to go with Rihanna. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what she said in the interview. Whether she wants to stand by it or not, she was asked a question. She answered it. Um, and until we have her on Kyle Brandt's, in Kyle Brandt's basement slash hotel room, I think that's what we have to go with. I hear you. Here's my fear. And then we'll finish this because I could, uh, this is, this is that topic I talk about every day that I could talk about for an hour. We're going around for the next six months talking about Rihanna sounding like a bunch of idiots. It's just dumb. Like why, why, why does Kyle always call her Rihanna? Everybody knows it's Rihanna because they don't know because she doesn't know. My fear is Sam, that we will come across just like our producer this morning and people will be laughing at us because we don't know how to pronounce the name. Are you prepared to put ourselves out there and risk our our credibility by calling this artist Rihanna when 99% of the population calls her Rihanna? I'm so in a, my brain is in a pretzel about this. At the end of the day, I care about how history remembers us and I want history, <laughs> I wanna be on the right side of history for this. Kyle Brandt's basement is all about authenticity and. Uh, you know, uh, editorial research and all that stuff. And we're going to do things the right way here. Uh, by the way, since we are all about research, it's lemon for uh, Rihanna. Lemon, not lemonade. <laughs> oh, there... Listen, Sam, I respect the take. Sometimes people on the right side of history have to go through a lot of crap to get there, and we sure. may have to do it. Uh, do. Thank you for your, for your guidance. And one more time, the Super Bowl halftime prov- uh, performer for the um, inevitable uh, Jaguars versus Lions Super Bowl 57 will be Rihanna until we are told expressly otherwise. Thank you, Sam. You are right. You are wise. You are really the Obi-Wan Kenobi of this show. And he mentioned that we are honest and we don't BS you. A lot of that comes into, like, there's things that are thrown at me by the staff that I have not seen before. I've never seen those takes on takes clips. We do it just um, naturally, raw, that type of thing. And we will do that with this too. I usually have my dartboard right now and I throw it and I get topic one through 20 and I walk over on the Peloton and pedal away and then we say goodbye and I love you and everything. We don't have that here. I'm sure they have, they have a lot of darts in London. We don't have one in a hotel room. Uh, since I don't, my producers are going to give me a random London-based question instead in the form of this. I'm seeing it for the first time. Who is the greatest fictional British character of all time? Hmm. All right. Well... I mean, the, I, th- I think the obvious answer here would be James Bond, the Sir Ian Fleming, all the books, all the movies, all the, the, the different actors to play him. It is looked at as, you know, the iconic British, I'm cool and I have an accent and I have a tuxedo and I have a different woman every time and that's not as cool as it was anymore, but so we're trying to do it differently and pay more respect and on and on and on. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna look. I have a I have producer Alex here here in my hotel room who is British. Would you give a thumbs up or a thumbs down to James Bond being the greatest British character of all time? He's thinking. He doesn't seem to be pleased. Oh, right, so I got this. So I'm way off. I, I'm I'm trying to also think like who I would be insulted 
if a British person said was the greatest American character of all time, <laughs> like Dom Toretto from the Fast and Furious movies. All right, so just to throw out a couple of curveballs here. Harry Potter, uh, a British creation by a British woman who wrote brilliantly creative novels and then they were made into very successful and pretty good studio movies, eight of them in fact. Is Harry Potter a better British character? And I'm looking to you, producer Alex, who's British and smokes occasionally. Um, and let me throw out one more. Sherlock Holmes? That's kind of old fashioned. Better than Harry Potter? Harry Potter's a wizard. Doctor Who? James Bond, you don't like James I, I get the sense that Americans might like James Bond more than British people. The Daniel Craig version, I think, is excellent. Um, Ebenezer Scrooge, now we're into Dickensian characters. A goose! A goose! Uh, that's what the Chargers laid uh, in the, the, the other day against the Jaguars, by the way. Tying it back into football. All right, so listen. <laughs> is Winnie the Pooh British? Bear with no pants? Oh, bother. No, I'm going to put an end to this. The greatest fictional British character of all time is James Bond. He has more movies, more books, more recognizability. If you put, let's say you went to some random person. Let's say just say the United States because we think it's all about us. In any town USA and you put a picture of James Bond up, any area you want, and a picture of Harry Potter up with a scar and his wand, who gets recognized more? I think I think it's James Bond. I guess it depends on the age of the person. This is a good debate. We're gonna continue this. We're also gonna do who has better all-time pop music, the British or the Americans. Normally I'd like to give a definitive answer. I'm gonna go with James Bond, I think. I mean, yeah, James Bond, that's it. Tweet the show if you pissed off at me, especially you British people. Thank you for hosting us at KB Basement. Uh, if you feel that, um, that Dan Radcliffe is better than Dan Craig, please let me know and I will uh, disagree with you. In the meantime, thank you, Rihanna. Uh, thank you, Mark Sanchez. Thank you, Dan Arlovsky. Thank you, Sam Pepper. Thank you all of you for watching. Uh, I love you. I will see you tomorrow right here from London and Kyle Brandt's hotel room. Ta-ta.